we have a whole lineup of new releases, but some of us haven't seen them all. You mean most so of us. We'll talk about everything going on this week, including Dear Evan Hansen. And we have a special guest who goes between the theater world and the film world, just like we do. One of the hosts of Real Spoilers, Kevin Brackett. Hello, thank you for having me. We'll talk to our guest Kevin Brackett here in just a second and all the movies we did not get to see this weekend. Then we'll talk about Zombieland Double Tap around six minutes, The Lighthouse around minute 17, new DVDs including The Lion King and David Crosby's documentary around minute 34, Disney Plus around 54 minutes, our favorite Halloween films around one hour, and then Dear Evan Hansen at one hour and three minutes. So, Kevin, those of you who who don't know what Real Spoilers is, you have more than 500 film uh, episodes of podcast now, right? We do, yeah. it's uh, We've been doing it since 2013. Our first review was Man of Steel. Wow. And oh. quite the way to... Quite, oh, quite, uh, quite the show to kick it off. And uh, yeah, we uh, every week we tackle the what would probably be the biggest film of the week, usually the the one most people are seeing. And we consider ourselves kind of a book club for movies. So we go through and we spoil it. We go through plot point by plot point. You know, we give an overview of, you know, our, our reaction and, and what we thought of it. But uh, we really go through the film and kind of dissect it. And it's called Real Spoilers because... You spoil. spoil. And I've been a guest on your show. You have. Max has been on there. And, and Lynn has too. It's, yes. It's you and Tom O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. And and Joe Batisi. Joe, I see. I filled in for Joe, so I've okay. never met oh, Joe. <laughs> well, does Joe even exist? Does Joe exist? I've, well, I've heard him. I'm, I'm a <laughs> subscriber to your podcast. Oh, <laughs> that's true. All right, so let's talk about the big movie of the week. Uh, no one saw it. No one saw Black and Blue. No one saw Count. Okay, Black and Blue. Dan is really upset about because uh, his it's, boy. It's not good. He loves Frank Grillo. And he says that this movie is not good. I, I've heard not kind things. You about. have an Oscar-nominated actress and Naomi have, Harris, and you have a, what you know a topical story. But I've heard it is not good. And no. then well done. And well, the night that we were oh go ahead. Well, I was going to say so. I sent uh, one of my critics for I also have the site Review St. Louis ReviewSTL dot com, and that's where the written reviews go for a lot of these films and theatrical reviews and all that good stuff and so uh brad reviewed that and he gave it a d so d. there is a review out there for it i did not see it but yeah it's everyone i've talked to about it just uh, i don't know they just say it just doesn't it was an intriguing premise the, right. the idea was interesting and it is topical as you said but yeah they're just not well executed i guess well, also, the night that uh, we were supposed to see Countdown, which is the new horror flick that actually has an intriguing premise. Well, that is the that is the episode of the week for real spoilers. So I will really? be seeing Countdown. I just didn't get to yet. Well, we were all at Dear Evan Hansen, which we will talk about in a little while. Uh, Pain and Glory, none of us saw that one either. But, that, was a, um, that was a daytimer screen. Dan said he loved it. He and said, uh, Antonio Banderas' best work. And what else did he? Oh, and uh, I think Pedro they're going to push him for the Oscar mm. for that. Uh, none of us saw the new version of an old story. It's the current war, which is a story about lighting up the United States. But this is the director's cut. I don't. 
I don't remember this movie coming out the first time. Well, it didn't, but it it had horrible reactions out of the film festival where it premiered. Ah, horrible reactions, and it's got a great cast, mm-hmm. right? So it's uh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch, it's the it's Tom Holland, Edison, and Tesla, uh, and, and uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, yeah, it's got a great cast, and I mean, it's an interesting story. But uh, I mean, after that it premiered, I can't remember which film festival it was, but it was supposedly a snooze. Uh, did not get good reviews, so now the first widespread release is actually the director's, the director's cut. cut. So. He's like, uh, "Hey, they ruined my movie. Here it is now." It will be interesting to see for people that did that see saw the, the original. Yeah. Now, how does it stack up? Did they fix it? Is it any better? I don't know. But. Or is it the exact same movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kent did see it, and that was the night that we were a dear Evan Hans. No, that was Monday night, wasn't it? Yeah, I it was remember. Monday. Okay, it was. Um, so we had, uh, anyway, Kent, my colleague at the Times newspaper, saw it, and he said it's just flat. He just said it's just okay. People are good, but it just wasn't anything to just get excited about, or it just kind of, he gave it a C. Hmm. It's just one of those kind of there. So just go watch The Prestige, basically, and <laughs> get your Tesla yeah, which is way, oh, Prestige is way better. Yeah. <laughs> Last week we talked about Dolomite is My Name, which is now out on Netflix. It was out in the theaters for a week, and now it is streaming on Netflix. I, I'm hearing Oscar buzz for Eddie Murphy. I haven't seen it. I've and been, Wesley Snipes. Yes, oh. Wesley Snipes. I have a feeling, though, that it uh, will probably do well at the Golden Globes because they have that comedy con- you know, connection. Yeah. Category. I have a feeling they'll have a little bit more, but it's a hoot. You know, and it just got you just got to go with it. You you just can't worry about all the you know f bombs and everything. Just go with it. <laughs> well, just, but that was, uh, it's a it's about black black exploitation films. Movies. So easy for you to say. Not at all. And so there was one movie that came out this week that Lynn did see, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the movie that we didn't see last week. We're going to ask Kevin about Double Tap. Zombieland 2. Yeah, so Zombieland Double Tap. So this is a sequel to a movie that Ten was years ago. A hit in 2009. Because that was it was before the zombies Walking were everywhere. Dead. Right. It, but it was, so yeah, this was a big deal. It was, I think, kind of the beginning of the zombie resurgence and, and the popularity. So it was the right place. Shaun of the Dead had come on in yeah, 28 Days Later. Yeah, like, it, was all, it was all around really, the same yeah. time. But Walking Dead wasn't on mm-hmm. yet. Now there's this oversaturation at this point, but Zombieland was right place at the right time. Great comedy. It's very stylized, very fun movie. And they've so, all won many, many awards and been nominated for things <laughs> since then. Yes. The, it's got, it has a great cast in it. They're all Oscar nominated slash Oscar winning, the four of the, the lead the, cast. The lead. So this was a movie that I didn't know I wanted. It, it, the first one was great, but it was 10 years ago. But they said they were good. They've been planning this forever. Well, and they tried to do a TV show on Amazon. Right. That, but that wasn't going to have like any of the leads. No, but the Zombieland, to expand that universe, they were kicking it around for a while. But, I mean, this is exactly the movie that if you're a fan of Zombieland... Which this, I was. This is the movie you're going to love. But I saw it three weeks ago for the first time, oh. expecting to go see it when they screened it for us. And then they didn't screen it for us. And I know I'm that's critic snob, but I, I do want to go see this movie because I was, look, I was looking forward to it enough that... 
that I wanted to see the second one. So and I went back and saw the first one just so I could be involved in it. And because it's 10 years old, I was spoiled by the biggest kick of the first movie. But now there's a biggest kick in the second movie, which I don't want you to talk about. On your show, The Real Spoilers, you can talk about that. Oh, but this, but does it make sense the way they do it in this movie because everybody everybody knows about it yeah oh i everything about this movie seriously it it's not like this is one of those i'm not going to go here and say oh it's going to be an oscar award winning i mean you don't go to zombie land zombie horror action guns it's it's comedy it's but it's such a fun movie if you're a fan of the first movie i think you're going to love this one uh i think some people are like oh it's 10 years and who was asking for this but it's one of those things it's a nice little surprise because you weren't clamoring for a sequel the first one was great it lives on its own you didn't need it but i'll tell you what they don't skip a beat mm-hmm. the main cast comes back and we go in depth of course on real spoilers about it so but there's an hour discussion there but i'll just tell you that they all work together they're they just they seem like the the family the stuff you haven't seen over the past ten years mm-hmm. but it all chronologically follows like it's ten years later so you they feel still the connection. The lists? There's lists. There's okay. new lists. I, and again, I won't spoil too much right. of it, but uh, they elaborate on the lists and there's uh, a lot of new characters. Has he written the list down? <laughs> it's all in memory. I don't okay. see it. What about there. Twinkies? You know what? I don't think they. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I, I no. you know, this is the problem. I'm used to going in but, depth. But on you know these what? Things, you, but. If you can't think of it off the top of your head, that means that they've just given up on that. <laughs> yeah. And what about a cameo? I hear there's a good cameo. Well, that's what I was talking yeah. about before. But I think people have been spoiled in that. Stay too. for the post credits. I, I won't spoil what it is, but it's a post credit scene. But and... see, okay, the first one was the main four with you know a person here or two and then this one they add like four new characters is it just twice as much does it make it more funny or does it just make it is it intrusive the new characters are great and there's not too much of there's there's basically four new characters Mm -hmm. so there are four new double characters yeah double of the original exactly uh but they're great uh Rosario Dawson. Rosario, yeah. In each one, there's actually kind of a counterpart, not to all four, Mm -hmm. but I will say three of them kind of have counterparts, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's it's really funny the way that it plays out, but I don't want to spoil it because it does kind of ruin... Okay. The way that it plays out, I don't want well, to elaborate. The trailers are confusing because the blonde girl, mm-hmm. uh, Zoe it, Deutsch, who is Leah Thompson's daughter. Okay, she it makes it look like she is a love interest for uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg, That's but this isn't, isn't it? it? Which is weird because you know you're supposed he's supposed to be with Emma Stone. You would it, think but maybe it, something it, happens it, there. It has been ten years, so. <laughs> There, there's there's a reason for all of it, but I will say so. Zoe Deutsch plays uh, your kind of bleach blonde, as ditzy kind of a character. She hasn't she hasn't been uh, eaten by the zombies because they go for brains. <laughs> That's the joke in the trailer, exactly. <laughs> so that character could be really annoying if mm-hmm. played by an actor that isn't good. Mm-hmm. And Zoe Deutsch is so good, and she's the best addition in this new movie, and she plays it so likably, and it's so fun. She's not a she's not dumb to be dumb she's really dumb <laughs> well and that's the question though because there are things that alludes to is she really as dumb as she okay, yeah she survived in the post-apocalyptic world for 10 years How did doing do something exactly so go see it but i if you like the first one i did. You will enjoy this it was non-stop fun uh the jokes there's a lot of reoccurring jokes they mm-hmm. bring stuff back they 
poke fun at them. There's, you know, they they uh, make fun of themselves. They do some fourth wall breaking. It's a great time. CGI stuff at the end of the first one at the amusement park was a little over the top and not believable. Well, it's a zombie movie, so um, they didn't look like real zombies. Is that well, what you're no, I'm saying just like. <laughs> There was a lot of camera tricks and CGI that they used to kill a whole bunch. I'm sure there's a scene where they kill a whole bunch of zombies. Uh, has has the uh, SFX got better in the last 10 years? They look really good. The action sequences are tight. Uh, the cinematography. I mean, the director, Ruben Fleischer, he, I mean, he's... He's done some really good camera work in his movies. If you remember, um, is it Gangster Squad is the one that yeah. he did? And there's a tracking shot in the beginning of that where Ryan Gosling goes into a bar and they follow him like down the streets. Oh, yeah. I think of New York and it goes into the bar and the camera goes around the building and, and goes inside to, right up to the table that he's going That's to. That's the one that people forget that because they always say, what were the th- what were the three movies that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone did together? And Gangster Squad is yeah. the one everyone always forgets. Yes. Right. And so... That, but in then Zombieland, as you know, is very stylized. You have mm-hmm. all the rules, and they they uh, they're physically like the titles will drop and they'll interact with the things. Right. So he's really cool with the camera style. Stuff. He has, yeah, it's a very stylized movie, and uh, the VFX look really good in this one. Um, there's some great action sequences where they all team up, and now this is ten years later. They all obviously have survived, so mm-hmm. their skills have gotten better. They're working together, teamwork with rules, calling things out. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I'll just say, go see it. You'll you'll love it if you love the first. Again, it's not like you're you're watching high art here. You're watching zombie killing, lots of laughs, good time. <laughs> well, uh, Zoe Deutsch is on the cover of the new Cosmopolitan on the magazine rack, and it says something like, "This is the year of Zoe Deutsch, or the coming out of Zoe, Zoe Deutsch." Like she's being poised to be the new it girl uh, of Hollywood. Okay, so who's the fourth one? You've got Luke Wilson, Rosario Dawson, Zoe Deutsch, and. Thomas Middleditch. Thomas Middleditch. Oh, like, Silicon not, Valley. They are not uh, putting him in the trailers at all. Uh, see, and that's why I don't want to go into it too much uh, okay. as to why, but there there are reasons, and I've kind of alluded to it if you're paying attention. Right. Just go see it, because okay. uh, one thing that I, listeners of Real Spoilers will know, but your listeners are, will not be familiar We're with, ignorant of. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't watch trailers. Right. Because you don't need to. do not. I don't want to. I love to experience a film for the first time in the theater. I don't actively seek out information. So you didn't watch the Star Wars trailer at all this week? I have not seen one Star Wars trailer. Oh. Mm. Well, people have already broken that down, but we'll save that for later. I don't want to know. I don't. don't, Yeah. And I understand. It's one of those things where, and and a lot of people will ask me, they say, well, how do you know what movies you want to see? Well, first of all, I'm going to see a movie or two every week. So it's not like I need to decide to go spend my money at the theater. I'm already going. And, you know, I follow enough people. You know, I'm active on social media. I have a lot of critic friends that see stuff really early, and I hear the buzz about them. And if it's a cast, director, you know, if if it's a subject that I'm interested in. uh, But most likely I see a couple movies a week. What happens when you go to the screenings and we get one or two trailers before a movie? So, I mean, when I— You can't avoid them. I can't avoid them, so I have two different things that I do. So when I'm going to a screening that doesn't always have— uh, trailers, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Look at the phone. I try really hard to zone out and not hear what's going on. Uh, I haven't resorted to headphones or anything, but you know, just distract myself. Now I've got it down to a science with AMC. So AMC here, when I see movies on my own, 22 23 minutes. minutes, 23, 23. So 
I usually try to time it to where I can get to the theater about 20 minutes early, gives me time to get a popcorn, mm-hmm. drink, whatever. But 23 minutes is like when the little concession stand deal, mm-hmm. which is like two minutes on its own. Like, right. I'm already at the theater. You don't have to sell me to go to AMC. Well, I should go outside and get some popcorn <laughs> but, and but also, But it's like AMC, AMC, welcome to the AMC Classic. And it's like- Thank I'm, you for being a Stubbs yeah, member. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm at AMC, right? And, you know, the movie's about to start. I'm not leaving to go Wait, get my concessions I was, now. I was not at a Marcus. Right. Damn it, I thought I was at the Marcus. I've always, it's always made me laugh, though, with the, uh, you know, I know the, the Coke, and, you know, the Coca-Cola looks really good on screen, mm-hmm. but the movie's about to start. Who is going, hey. I'm thirsty, I'm going to miss the first 10 minutes of the movie. Like, it's a little late, they right? Should ru- they should run that in front of the trailers. Maybe they should do that in the commercial time, yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Lynn... So thank you very much, Kevin, because oh, yes, we, we were very curious about that. Yeah, Jim Bats went to a Marcus and saw it for $5 Tuesday, and, and he was very entertained. He said right. it's just very entertaining. Uh, that's the thing. I left the movie, the credits rolled, and I that's what I said. I said and, but I had, you also said stay till the very end. Yes, there's a... It's a, a tag. There's a, yeah, there's a Mid post-credit. post? There's an immediate post-credit scene. Like, I, I can't remember if they do After they do the 10 names. Yeah, yeah, and then there is a tag at the very end. Very, very end. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Lynn saw this director. I was very impressed with the first time. Yeah. The witch. The witch. Did you see the witch? Oh, Oh, the Vavitch. That's what I call it. The Vavitch. It's two V's because it's old school. And, (laughs) and then, so when he said he was coming out with a new movie with Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe called the lighthouse and it's going to be old timey just like the first one who doesn't yes. want a black and white four by three movie <laughs> about a lighthouse That's, see yes. you do know about it but without seeing any trailers and i didn't see any trailers for this either no. i just I've knew seen the stills i they just emailed I, it, the you right. know, stills of them next to each other and everything yeah. right yeah so okay, okay so here's the so real lynn story. saw it yes it's going to be a critic starling oh it's it's already you how's know, pattinson He's good. He's good. I'm no denying the actors are good and no denying it looks fabulous. The the black and white cinematography is stunning. What they do with it is stunning. But, but um <laughs> this director, Robert Eggers, wrote the screenplay with his brother Max. Did he write The Witch too? Did I think he, he did. write it? Okay. I think he did cuz he I'm was sorry. nominated for like a uh Spirit Awards and he won one I think maybe for best first feature. I'm not sure. But He's very meticulous about the historical research, as you could tell with The Witch. Mm-hmm. Well, until, so, it, until it got batshit crazy. <laughs> well, this movie goes there, too. So what we're talking about is we're talking about a remote lighthouse off the coast of New England. I've read it's Maine, but they don't really specify. Like and Stephen, it's, Stephen King's Maine? It's, yeah, it's 1890. And uh, they are supposed to be together in this lighthouse for four weeks, which is hard enough. And and I call it an artsy-fartsy movie because literally uh, Willem Dafoe's character has a flatulence problem. (laughs) Really? I've heard about this. Yeah. So what what they wanted to show was how how when you put two guys together in close quarters mm-hmm. it's not going to be pretty yes, but they have all day to not be at the lighthouse during the day they don't need to man the well, lighthouse well uh, Willem Dafoe is very protective of the lighthouse and he won't let Robert Pattinson go in it 
And he, Robert Pattinson has to do all the crap work. Okay, so he who, has to take the chamber pots out. He has to, go, you know, fix everything. He has to fight these. Oh, so he won't let sequels. him go to the top level. No, of the light, will the not let him he's, go. To, so he's, he's in the building. He's just not allowed right. to well, go the, to the, the, the living quarters house, are just attached. Not the light. They're right. like attached. They have like a. They have like this really tiny kitchen and they have provisions. Uh, they run out of, uh, what happens is uh, they're having a big storm. So their help, uh, their relief does not arrive. So they have to be there longer than the four weeks. And well, it's already very mm. isolated. And Willem Dafoe is very much, I'm in charge and you're my underling. And and if there's a storm, that means they can't neglect it during the day because it's dark 24 7 right it's bad and so willem defoe's up there at night and then so robert pattinson has a lot of illusions or delusions including mermaid sex so i'm just putting it out there mermaid sex well then yeah so and it's, is it, it's graphic too is it weirder than high life did you see high life oh that's I did the not. that's the uh uh Dan, that was Dan's favorite yeah, uh, he, space he, masturbation. High scene. life is yes. sex robots, so now he has mermaid sex fans. Yeah, he is. He has. Uh, he has a history of uh, self abuse in the in the supply shed. Okay. Okay. Uh, with his little mermaid uh, doll uh, doll figurine or whatever, it's really okay. bizarre. So there's a lot of there's a lot of blurring of fantasy and reality, just like in The Witch. And you don't know what's real and what isn't. There's a lot of ambiguity. They talk in this old-timey dialect that you can't understand sometimes, and it would have been really nice to have subtitles. Really? Because you don't really know what they're saying to each other. They have stories like, is it real? Is it what? And then, because of being together for so long, then it descends into horrible madness, violence, really grotesque violence. Well, And then the um... ending is totally batshit crazy. And if somebody could tell me what happens at the end, I will be really happy to know because it's indecipherable. Okay. So it's not as good as The Witch. Not as good as The Witch. All right. No. But uh, I know people are just going to love it because it does look – it's a stunning portrait. Of it's, 1890s yeah. New England. And uh, Willem Dafoe, the Gotham Awards – uh, nominations came out, and Willem Dafoe did get nominated for Best Actor. It didn't get much. It's not in the list of films, but I imagine at the Spirit Awards it'll do good because really, you know, well, doesn't the does even if it's an independent Spirit Award, the movies ha- are usually pretty good. Yeah, well, you if know, you didn't a, like it, yeah, but it's gotten a high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It's that got means a high nothing. Rating on Metacritic's. This is my personal. Maybe opinion. Lynn just didn't like Lynn, it. Yeah, yeah, my personal. Well, people, who did you? Who, with whom did you see the film? Um, uh, it was a day screen, and my friend John, who went with me, he didn't like it either. Okay, he did not like it, and people came out looking like, uh, well, that what was, was that? disturbing, and what the hell was that? So, so, so the witch is a horror slash thriller, which is also a mystery. This is more of a horror film, or this is, is it... psychological horror. Okay. I would put it on on par with Hereditary, in in oh. that respect. But um, she just says that because she knows I hate Midsummer so I know. much. Oh, you're not a fan. I huh? hate it. Interesting. I I, I haven't uh, attempted that movie yet because they scare me with so much talking about it, and I just think it's. And, but no, even the people that violent. like the film still have scared her away from it. Yeah, it's it's intense. There's a lot going on. <laughs> See, I just I don't know if I can. But this one, I mean, the violence gets really 
Oh, disturbing. And um, I it's just... Not as, it's not as disturbing as Midsummer. It's This is a long slog, though. I mean, it's just like... How long is slow. it? slow. It's two hours, but it's slow. You know, which was kind of slow to get moving. Yeah, but once it got moving... It was amazing. That scene with the peekaboo. <laughs> once yeah, you saw just, it, yeah, you were in. Yeah. Yeah, once, once the peekaboo scene happened, you were like, holy... But this one, I will just say, plus, you know, it's these two guys living together and it's just kind of crusty and gross. And, you know, it's just like. Well, yeah, that's what guys are. <laughs> maybe this, just, know, maybe this just isn't one for girls night out. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, I'm, but wait a minute. You have a shirtless Robert Pattinson is that all right yeah and he likes to talk about his <laughs> masturbation scene apparently and, oh and that's going on crazy in social media mm, good for him they have realistic let me put it like this the sound design in this is very realistic <laughs> oh, <gee>. okay <laughs> well then can't wait till next week <laughs> Actually, I actually saw a movie that comes out next week. Oh, so I, did I, Jojo? Yeah. Oh, did did you, were you, oh. I couldn't. I was I was preoccupied yesterday. I would have loved to have seen it. I'm a big Taika Waititi fan. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you watch people. the TV show too? No, I've never seen the. It's on the FX. Show. I heard it's really good too. Mm-hmm. What I, is his TV show? Not Fly of the Concords. No, no, I do love no, Fly of the Concords. You think Jermaine Clement is in both? Yeah. That's why, right. you, but no, he was not involved in the uh, flight of the Concords. It that was uh, Jermaine Clement, Jermaine Clement, and Brett McKenzie. Brett McKenzie. Okay, well, t- t- the Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my favorite movies of a couple years yeah. ago. That's just and Thor so Ragnarok good. is but the best would, comedy. <laughs> but she says that because Taika Waititi and James Bobbin were in a comedy troupe with Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie. So all four of those guys are New Zealanders. Mm-hmm. And they're comedy Kiwis. guys. So uh, yeah, I those guys I love pretty much anything they do. They're they're so smart. They're so funny. And Jojo Rabbit looks uh, just. I mean, it's I hilarious. I have again. I haven't watched it, full trailers or anything, but just from the stills, it's and, the it's the funniest Nazi comedy. <laughs> around well i uh, think springtime for hitler yeah well what i heard about it it's really funny is taika of course he plays this hitler hitler character which is like an imaginary friend of yes. a little kid and he said that he did zero research so he's like i just played hitler the way i well like a, like a, a 10 year old kid's imaginary friend yeah. would think of hitler but it's like he didn't he's not glorifying it he's not like i need to get this representation he's like you know, and the joke is, is, it's like he's. This is what the kid thinks Hitler would be. Yeah. So it's it's obviously it's. It's for not any, really Hitler. Right. And and people, this is of course anything that ha- revolves around the subject matter. There are going to be people, I'm sure, that are not um, even. I don't think so. You don't. I I think you have to see it because I think it but will pe- surprise people because what you think it is isn't necessarily what it results in, which is why again trailers are sometimes misleading, but I also think. Um, it's very surprising with its twists and turns, and uh, uh, it's. I mean, I think overall we had positive. I don't we know. Can't what talk they about em- it. We can't talk about it because of the embargo. But, what but it opens next Friday. I'm hearing great things from everybody that's seen it. You know, in, in different markets. It's are, really good. And uh, the the thing the problem is though is going back to what I was saying. The people that will quote unquote protest or people have problems, they won't see it. That's the thing. Is people right. just they don't see these things well they, see that's a, that that's what you can counter yeah. with those people you can say 
that's not what the movie is about at all. Yeah, they, it is. Yeah, because you, you'd just be surprised. But anyway, it does have a good cast, so that's what we'll talk about it next week. We'll talk about it next week. With did you talk to Chris? Are we going to have Chris on next week? Um, he said to email him. Okay. And because cinema, because Sliff opens up next week. Are you going to see any of the uh, Sliff? We got a big uh, list of films. I'll be Sliff there. is going to have a lot of movies, and if you want to see movies that you're going to hear about at Oscar time or end of the year best of this is the time that they're going to be in st louis before they open wide in january so this is your time to go see that right opening uh is marriage story and that is adam driver which was nominated for three awards um the gotham awards gotham awards tied with uh uh the aquafina movie that i like yeah the farewell the farewell yeah, so it's already getting big buzz. Adam Driver's having a hell of a year, and uh, we will. And talk our friend Diane Carson said she loved a Marriage Story. The the report. Oh, the report. She saw the report. I thought she saw them all. Well, maybe she did. Uh, oh yeah, maybe she did. She goes the to Netflix. all. She goes. To she all goes the to Telluride. Oh, I see. So she saw it, but this is Netflix, and we get to see it a week from Monday. Um, unless you have a hockey game. Which I no, think it's I during do. the day. It's oh, oh, then I think I might be going. Did to you see. say? Did you say uh, the report is Netflix? Uh, is Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, that's the, what the I report, the report is, is Amazon, Amazon, and they're and the and a marriage story is Netflix. Oh, so. marriage this, story uh, is Netflix. Yeah, see, this is I didn't know this that. is the behind the scenes thing that uh, this is this is critic talk here that we're <laughs> doing right now. But they let's see the report is the same night as another movie Ford versus Ferrari and. People want to see Ford versus Ferrari on the biggest screen available because it makes you feel like you are in the car. I did see that preview because I went with my high school friends to see Rocket Man again, <laughs> and uh, at the you know second uh, the second run show second run show, and it looks incredible. Tracy Letts is Lee Iacocca, and then it's Christian Bale and Dam- Matt Damon as Ford and Ferrari. Well, he's, he's not ignorant of what's going on. I know. He just chooses not to watch. <laughs> I know. He doesn't and go I out of his way. I don't I don't go out of my way to uh, to read about movies ahead of time yeah. like all the Marvel universe people do get online and they and they and like the Star Wars, they have the breakdown of the trailer. I don't want to know. I don't oh, want to know the breakdown of the trailer. I want to know everything about it. I just I there's there's something so magical about going and sitting in a theater and knowing nothing. Oh yeah. I've had some of the best experiences when I know nothing about the plot. True, so I I'm agree. Not, so Star Wars, Jojo Rabbit, it's like, yeah, I know what they're about, but I don't want to be spoiled. And by the, the Avengers plot trailers thing. weren't telling you anything yeah. anyway. It was all misdirection anyway. But what I love is our art house movie. Like, let's say the lighthouse, and mm-hmm. if we didn't talk about, it, let's say I go in and I just know it's two guys in the lighthouse. I have no idea. Or even if I don't know that, I just know it's called The Lighthouse. Let's say I don't know who's in it. It could be a metaphor. Yeah. I just go sit down, though. Yeah, I could probably pick it, you know, mm-hmm. guess. It's but, an allegory. Ah. <laughs> But, you know, it's it's something about, though, when I go and I see an, an art house film that I haven't heard about and people haven't seen it a lot, you know, no one's talking about it, and I sit down, you can just be really surprised mm-hmm. by what you find and what they do and, and having no idea. It's just a different way to see films, and I, I really enjoy it. I well, do, too. I like going in not knowing anything. Well, I feel I wanted to see the Star Wars trailer yeah. because everyone had been talking about it because I was at a hockey game during the Monday night football game and I'm getting texts. Hey, did you see it? I'm like, no, I'm working. I'm playing I'm playing the music. And the Blues won that game. So I was not going to distract myself by watching the trailer. I waited till the game was over. 
and a small group of people gathered around me and we all watched it together and I have many questions about the trailer. See, that's as, that is something that you are saving yourself from, Kevin, because the way that they cut trailers, you don't know what you're seeing and what's going on. And so I believe, how my, my, without you seeing it, the main question I have about the Rise of Star Wars trailer is how many fights do Ren or Kylo Ren and Rey have? Because it seems like every time they're together, they're having a lightsaber battle. I've counted at least three or four of them where they're they're both getting ready. And unless it is the same fight, because like if you think of Empire Strikes Back, the Luke and Vader fight is in many locations, but it's all the same fight. This looks like they're on different planets every time. Hmm. And so I'm like, oh, is this going to be just them fighting and then going to another planet and fighting and then going to another planet and fighting? Because, you know, in the Star Wars world, um, it's a it's a ice planet. It's a. Uh, forest planet it is a desert planet because now uh, one world cannot have an entire ecosystem it has to be just at one planet of that <sighs> but that's what i thought lynn what did you think um uh, i uh teared up when c3po oh, no, don't tell him that because no stop so are we on real spoilers here See, exactly i, I, only, I, I know. show up to real spoilers for the spoiler talk no, i no, know but, and but then i did and like... i also think i also think that's bs too i think that because c3po for for now, nine films exaggerates and thinks he's going to die every single time. And then I, I did like seeing a snippet of Billy D. Williams. Well, he's in two snippets, but one you can't see because it's a group shot and everybody's in it, except he's wearing yellow. And of course, he's the one standing out. So I did like that. I like, you know. Oh, That's cool. They're that? bringing him back. Yeah, I enjoyed that. So those are the two takeaways I got from it. Well, but uh, somebody's got to be related to somebody. That's all I'm going to say. No, that's it. That's impossible. <laughs> all right. So let's. All right. You know what? We're gonna well, let's talk about Lion King. So yeah, I. You know what? Well, so I didn't talk to you guys about Lion King, the remake, the not live action remake. So what were your takeaways? It's not it? a live. It's a cartoon. Basically, it's a cartoon right. because there are no humans right. in this, and so therefore everything is CGI. It is another cartoon. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm like one of the only people that gave it a very positive review. Yes. I, I uh, really liked the um, the addition of uh, Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Timon and Pumbaa. I liked uh, John Oliver as Zazu. Yeah. And I wasn't the biggest fan of Beyonce and Donald Glover as Simba and but the Nala. kids. The kid, the kids version versions yeah. were good. Yeah, but I in, enjoyed it, and I got goosebumps a couple times. Yeah. Well, so I know that the consensus, a lot of people have a problem with the way that it's so lifelike, and it is. It's technologically amazing it's it's one of the greatest achievements in animation as far as making live action type visuals in an animated as carl said i put live action in quotes that you can't see because Mm -hmm. it's completely animated so it looked amazing but what a lot of people's complaints were is that that stole away the spirit of it the fun of it because it's just it's a bunch of live action animals and they're not emoting there's no there's none of that you know can you feel the love tonight takes place in the day that's that's another really big head scratcher so (laughs) but what what's really neat about the release i mean so not only do you get to watch this stunning beautiful animation in high the savannah def, is beautiful but 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 the, it's not real 
But the special features on this thing, I'm I'm the type of person that I I like special features. I don't always make it an effort unless I'm doing a review, of course. But I don't make it an effort to watch every single special feature. But this movie is so technologically impressive that I was really excited about getting it. And uh, I was blown away. There's a feature on here. I believe it's called uh, Making the Magic. It's one of the... uh, behind the scenes ones there's three different behind the scenes like mini documentaries and they go into the process behind the scenes of how they made this movie and did you two know that John Favreau and the team actually filmed this movie yeah I did know that they filmed it with uh, sets right not sets with what virtual reality Oh, so they created this entire world. So instead of just building sets, instead of just in the computer building uh, virtual reality or CG sets, they built the whole Savannah. I mean, it it's something like a hundred square miles. Don't quote me. I wish I can't remember that. Fifty or a hundred square miles. We're talking about grass and water in the computer. And locations in the computer. And then they did something that they invented this technology. I mean, there may have been some rudimentary version, but this technology was specifically invented and adapted to what they were doing. They outfitted cameras and rigs and all this stuff with virtual reality sensors and technology so that they could get the feel. And that's why the movie looks and feels so real mm-hmm. is because there are camera operators holding cameras with sensors and they are filming and they have screens and sometimes they wear VR glasses and headsets. Mm -hmm. And so they are actually filming the movie as the CG, the animations and everything. Uh, It's like the, uh, the rough or the, you know, like the previs kind of thing. And then they clean it up later, but they go and they film it and they move the camera and look around. So, the movie feels a lot of times like a nature documentary. It does feel, it feels very real. Because it's filmed. Uh, CG animation, as beautiful and slick and clean as it is, it's too perfect, right? There's no human right. error. Right. When you have a camera, you, you get happy you can accidents. Miss a shot. And you, you, but yeah, you shake things. And, you know, there's just that movement, that human interaction. So this, this feature, this specific one, is about 20 minutes long on the Blu-ray. And you see these camera operators, you know, walking, holding a camera rig, and they have little screens on it so they can see what they're filming. Uh, but you have you have this. The technology is totally retrofitted to where they got to film a computer animated movie. It's amazing. And a lot of the times, the actors, instead of pushing them away in little uh, recording booths, they had them almost like a black box theater. Mm-hmm. They actually uh, had boom mics above them, and the characters, uh, like a play, interacted with one another. Even to record the Beyonce? Dialogue. I don't think they got Beyonce. But no. to be fair, how many lines does Beyonce have in the movie? Um, she has a. I mean, she has enough to make a whole album. Well... <laughs> Those were songs from and inspired by yeah. the Lion so, King. So the thing is that uh, when you watch this, it's really neat to see, especially like with the hyenas, you know, because there's that comedic element uh-huh. uh, with Eric Andre and uh, uh, Keegan Michael Key. Uh, they're playing off of one another. See, he got the name right. Because Lynn, Lynn, Keegan Michael Key, I get it, it screwed up. Michael Keegan oh, Key, yeah, but I it's just, it's an al- it's just it's an alphabetical order. That's all you have to remember. K M K. All right. So, Thank but it, it's really fascinating. So I will say this is one that not only I mean, okay, if you love The Lion King, you're gonna buy this. It's not like you really have to be convinced too much. But for the non-believers, for people that just either shut it out um, or said, you know, why do I need this live quote unquote live action remake? Why do I need this reimagining? I think for the technical achievement, that's that's me personally. I was most fascinated by how they recreated 
these visuals because they did like a lot of um, Disney films. They did their research. They went and they photographed and and uh, did a lot of research on real animals. But in these behind the scenes, you actually see them tracking on top of real animals and you see the CG version. And just like Andy Serkis or mm-hmm. someone doing a motion capture performance, these animals a lot of times were doing the performance. And so another reason they looked so real was they were moving based on real animal movement. So you would see a real lion and the CG one, and they move perfectly in sync. It's so the technology, this is going to shape the way movies are made in the future. And so even if you don't think the story needs to be told in this way, which I mean, it's honestly, King Lear. well, there's it's, <laughs> it's Hamlet. Right. Right. I mean, it's like this, this story isn't original in the first place, but the Disney spin has so much fun and they made it their own thing. This is an exact copy. It's pretty much a shot for shot remake. Mm -hmm. So while it isn't necessary, uh, you know, to, they're not doing much new with it. They are breaking ground when it comes to technology. That that is, that is a good point. And it is mind blowing to see how they did it. I have friends that work for Disney and one of, and they do, they don't criticize the company that you know pays them and but one of them said to me after that she asked me what i thought of it and i told her exactly what i thought of it and she said there was only one thing that bothered me they're supposed to be real animals there are no genitalia on any of because well, they, they cleaned it up yeah because you know, there'd be things flopping around on all of these animals and they have disneyfied nature it's interesting i it's funny you mention that because a lot of, because it's such a weird subject. I mean, that's just a weird thing to say in this kid's movie. There's no genitals. Like, you know, I mean, that's not right. a subject that comes up very often. But it's funny you mention that because after I saw the movie, I said the same thing to someone I was talking to because I just said, these look so real. But I mean, if you've ever seen a but lion if if walking seen a, from the. The uh, Disney nature films have right, all that in right. there. Right. But I mean, go to the zoo. And if you see a lion, a male lion walking away, There's it's a, hard to yeah, miss. Exactly. And so, or a giraffe. <laughs> right. But so when you see this movie and you've got the lions and they're walking it's, around. Disneyfied. It's weird to think that yes, this is a lie. This is a real-looking lion. So I get what you're saying. It's mm. weird. It's not like something that I'm going to focus on for a review of the movie. Right. But it's a weird thing because your brain is like, this is real, but they. Yeah. But that was one that, and it was funny that that came from a <laughs> Disney person. That's funny. There is one thing that I said back then, and I'm going to say now. I would hate for someone to see this version before before the 1994 version. The 95. Sad- 94, well, 94. 95. 94. 94. No, I think 94. it's 94. Uh, yeah. The sad it's, thing is, though, is that... It's going to happen. The kids... That's, it sounds so old, but the problem is... And what kids I've heard, today. Yeah, what I've heard from a lot of kids <laughs> and the reason why they're doing so much, obviously, CG and now these live action, quote unquote, Because they don't want to see the 2Ds. Kids, they don't... It's like when we were kids and someone tried to make us watch a black and white movie. Right. We said, well, that's old. Now... This beautiful, stunning, hand-drawn animation that you try to show kids, they go, that's old. It may as well be a black and white movie. And it's sad because there's so much art, and we all, I know, appreciate that art. But the kids, they grew up with CG, and that's their animated you know, form. Even if it was bad CG. Yeah, it's like that's... But Pixar that's, didn't know how to do <laughs> humans until, what, the third movie that they did? They, no, that would be Toy Story 2. The toy, the the humans in Toy Story are, are awful. That's it's, why they didn't show faces in the first right, one. Right, that's why, yeah, exactly. It followed them around like they were a Peanuts teacher, yeah. right? Well, I, I really wish that the kids get to see the 94 version first. And, and yeah. you know what they'll say? Even if they don't, they'll say, oh, well, at least, at least Mufasa's the same. 
because who would you have gotten to replace James Earl Jones? Yeah, that's a hard one. And Jeremy Irons' scar is the only other big puzzle piece yes. missing yes. because, uh, I mean, uh, Chewie Attell Ejiofor, uh I mean, he's a great actor. I really like him. And I actually thought he was pretty good in this role. But as someone that grew up with the animated version, yeah. that scar voice is iconic. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, is very similar to replacing Mufasa's voice. Um, but I do understand what they tried to do with, with an all-black cast and it takes place in Africa. Totally get why they did it. But I think and that And all the was... white parts are the comedy relief. Mm-hmm. But I will say with uh, Timon and Pumbaa, as mm-hmm. Lynn mentioned, they were the best part of the movie. Uh, they actually... I, I, yes, they are the best part of the movie. But And I like John Oliver. But... I I still think that Ernie Sabella and Nathan Lane are still better old vaudeville dudes. I, I wouldn't like, compare them, and I'm not saying well, they're no, better no, or you, anything. It's well, just you, you have to. But but in this movie though, they were the Billy Eichner was great. Did you see what Elton John said about this movie no. recently? No. So Elton John was not very involved. He wrote one new song that's an end Which credit it's not, song. And it's it doesn't not a good sound song. like him either. Yeah. They played at the end credits. I'm like, who's this trying it's to sound sh- like Elton John? So Elton John, he said, had very minimal involvement. And he said, I wish they would have involved me more. Kind of hint, hint, you know. But mm-hmm. he was very candid. And he said they took the joy out of it. And I, I can't say that I argue with him. The problem is, is that you go back and watch the animated version. And I just, or it's, just can't it's wait more to be emotional. king colors and drafts and you're dancing on drafts and all that and now you just it's a bunch of lions just hopping around and they're the same joy is the there. emotion in the eyes of simba when he sees his father uh get trampled it cannot it was not matched and it, so it's not just taking the joy out of it; it's taking the emotion out of yeah. it. Well, and in, 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 a, in a cartoon and an animated, even with CG or whatever, you can really show emotion because of you can draw eyebrows right. in a way that aren't right. realistic. But but they the two D was so much better yeah. than the CG. Yeah. Right. Well, it's this is the argument that people have been having all year, and everyone knows about it. It's 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 just some things work better in that hand drawn animated art form and uh this is going to be a lion king for a new generation mm-hmm. but i'm with you carl i hope they see the original and i hope parents can get them to sit and watch it because there is something very special about it and i agree that original medium was the way to do it now here's something that everyone can agree on david crosby's an asshole <laughs> and david crosby is the first person to admit that yes and even though this movie has been out in theaters and has been out I have not heard anything that says that he has tried to reach out to Neil Young or to Daryl Hannah or to Stephen Stills or to anybody that he has wronged or or Joni Mitchell. I don't I don't think he is uh, uh, Graham Nash. I don't think he has reached out to anyone, even though he has said on camera that he's a jerk. And basically nobody talks to him anymore. Nobody talks to him anymore. And I. You'd think after him bearing his soul in this movie, you would have heard, oh, well, Stephen Stills called him up and said, hey, man, you're great. But no, instead we have the the last thing that Crosby, Stills, and Nash ever did was a horrible version of a Christmas song. Oh, A Silent Night, wasn't it? It was, it was horrible. It was not good. It was in for the Obama uh, White House. It was the it Christmas, was Christmas tree lighting, lighting. In, in Washington. Oh. And it was bad. And uh, everybody just stood there. And that is, the, that is the last time that they've performed together. Yeah. Wow. And it's not good. And I really wished 
that after David did a whole bunch of mea culpas and just saying that he's a jerk, and then he uh, he hasn't done himself any more favors. But this documentary is very it's great. good. I really enjoyed it. Now it's on DVD. It's okay. David Crosby, Remember My Name. Hmm. And it's very if you revealing. are a fan, um, David takes a lot of credit for things that he should take credit for and probably some things that he shouldn't take credit for. But he um, doesn't uh, come off very good, hmm. which is unfortunate. And you'd think that he he knows he knows that he's in the wrong and he knows that he is not necessarily a good person so you think and, and his wife is like it's just who he is and they've been married a long time yeah but she well he's sober now he's sober now and i i, I wanted i wanted something to come out of this and it, i don't think it has which is also unfortunate i think they're just done with him yeah i think there's been too many burned bridges I don't know the whole history, but it sounds like trouble. Yeah, well, if you well, if you watch a documentary, right. you'll just find out. Really good. You'll just find out. Uh, it's not. There's a reason they're not. Well, yeah. Talk to Tom because Tom worked in classic rock radio Tom long will know. enough. He knows. Yeah. Yeah, right. and and uh, promoting shows and all that. He would. He, if <laughs> it's because Howard Stern tried to get. He's like, hey, he was talking to Neil Young. Would you ever call up uh, David Crosby? And it was an absolute no. Wow, and it's and Neil was the one who stuck with him the longest, which is sad. It, it's just our, a our sad he and story. Graham Nash used to talk to every day. He said he goes, Graham Nash and I talked a couple times a day every day, and now he won't have anything to do with him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's the only other major DVD release. But there is a special anniversary edition. 20th anniversary of Galaxy Quest. I love Galaxy I Quest. I do too. It's never give up, never surrender. This is a classic case of a film not doing any box office, but being discovered when it was on VHS really? slash DVD. I, I remember watching it on uh, HBO. I, I saw it on whatever, HBO or, 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 Showtime or, or from the Blockbuster. <laughs> and I just could not remember. I mean, I just was so impressed with it. Like, how did I not know about this movie? This hey. is so good. Yeah, it's kind of a Sigourney cool classic. Weaver, Tim Allen. Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. Oh, Alan Rickman. We're going to talk about Sam Rockwell next week. He, Sam Rockwell is stuck in a rut. Where he's playing the racist, the racist. Guy. So what's he? What's he do? Oh, let's get, let's do a comedy. So he's playing a Nazi in the comedy. So he's, he's still a race, but but he does have hope in this in this Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, he's not all one note uh, in that. And but Jojo yeah. Rabbit. But Sam Rockwell's a great actor. He, he is, is. and but, I would love to see him. But how many times is he going to play the it, racist it, guy? This will be number four in I, a row. I, know, I, know. I just couldn't. I just couldn't believe it when after he was in Three Billboards that he went to the. The history. Yeah. Well, at least the that's a true one, story. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. What is that? No, no. We missed it. Was, it, was that? Uh, t- was that? Uh, that was the uh, the southern one. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember the the true story. It was yeah. like South Carolina or something. It was about mm-hmm. segregation. He's playing a racist guy. Yeah, I'm like, Ku Klux are you really going to go? You just won an Oscar for <laughs> for being a he racist. He did play Bob Fosse. Okay, but that was on TV. But yeah, yes, but we're he in was the golden age of television. We're, but we're talking about movie wise. But now we're we talking. Get him into a let, different role. Let's get back. Let's get back to Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Okay, 
It's just delightful. Alan Rickman, I just mm. love that guy. And you know they were going to do a sequel before he died, and oh. they said without Rickman, that there's no way. That when he's putting on that, and he's trying to be the Leonard Nimoy of mm. the group. Oh, it's sad. It's like they had one all worked out, and they oh. were going to do a sequel, and. Um, but that's that's nice that they're like, yeah, we're not doing it without Alan Rickman. You know, they're Good. not just like going to take the paycheck. And they did love Actually, though. But that was that was that for was cha- a, that was for yeah. charity, yeah. and they they honored him as much as they could in that also. Yeah. What right. a voice! What a voice! All right, I'm going to talk about Disney again. Okay. All right. So last week, people, I was I talked about one of my favorite movies as a child, Gus. From 1976. Not familiar with it. It is about a field goal kicking mule. Oh. Starring Don Knotts. Okay. And Dick, I love that Don sounds Knotts. like an old Disney movie. <laughs> well, it's Don Knotts Don and Knotts. Tim Conway, but they don't have Don Knotts is the good guy and Tim Conway's the bad guy, and they don't share any scenes. <laughs> and then Ed Asner is the uh, the owner of the football team, and Dick Van Patten I think is the coach of the football team. And the guy's name is Gary Grimes. This was his last movie that he ever did. And he played the guy that uh, held the field goals. He he was the uh, center for the field goal-kicking mule, Gus. And he, he said, Oyage. And no one knew what I was talking about last week. And Yeah, I've, you lost me on that one. But, but this Disney used to put out B-movies in the 60s oh yeah. and 70s. That's oh why yeah. people, if, I mean, you people are going to discover when Disney Plus hits, what is it, November 12th, 12th. when Disney Plus activates and they're already going to have probably millions of people signed up, ready to go at that point. Every episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, but, they're, but it's these old movies. They're going to be clicking through and people are going to be amazed at the stuff that they find. I mean, there are some movies that you're just like, that was a Disney movie? There was a fallow period of Disney where they were just churning out crappy Garbage. movie after crappy movie. And the Disney... The Disney name, the seal, the brand did not mean what it means now. It's synonymous with quality. Well, right. Well, in the 60s when I was growing up, we had reruns of the Mickey Mouse Club mm-hmm. with Annette mm-hmm. and Bobby. And uh, we had those. And, and mm-hmm. we had after school, we would rush home and Channel 11 would do reruns of the Mickey Mouse Club. And we'd see Spin and Marty mm-hmm. and Kevin yeah. Corcoran and... Uh, the other guy, and so we had all that, but we would go to the movies on Saturday, and you saw like Follow Me Boys with Fred McMurray and Kurt Russell uh, playing, you know, Boy Scout movie, and then you got uh, some of the the animation wasn't up to quite speed then, but that's when they only brought them back every seven years, right? But that was Sunday nights was Disney's wonderful See, world. That's another. That's another thing they were putting out movies to put on. Wonderful World of Disney. So they were TV movies. So they could air it in two parts. Yeah. And Wonderful World of Color. Well, that I was love, in the you know, 60s. Colors, yeah. But I love those segments. One thing, I don't, do you know, are those going to be on Disney Plus? There are going to be a lot of things Walt, on Disney Plus. Walt segments talking. I love the behind the scenes of Disneyland and Walt walking around with his popcorn and well, talking yeah. to. That's what the Wonderful World of Disney was originally called. It was called Disneyland because it was just. Well, it was to make money. It That's was, how they paid for Disneyland. Exactly. Yeah. It was to. He sold the rights mm-hmm. to it, and they're like, we'll broadcast from there every week. And yeah. it was ABC, coincidentally, is now owned by Disney. Yeah. But at the time, ABC was the fledgling network, and they needed 
they sure will pair up yeah. with Disney. They'll get a whole bunch of content. And it the Disneyland show kept Disneyland afloat mm-hmm. and it kept ABC afloat. Yeah. It turned into a huge hit. It was it was an amazing pairing and I love watching those old videos. I have so Leonard Malton put together the Disney classic tins, that mm-hmm. whole thing. I've was, ha- I have them all. Yeah, he was the one that spearheaded that and that's why he's does an introduction mm-hmm. on all of them. Uh, and but, he says, uh, now kids some of these are this. This was a different time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but I love. I have the Disneyland ten, and I love watching those old videos. And that's what I want out of Disney Plus. Like I own most of the Blu-rays, mm-hmm. uh, the TV shows. Those will be cool to watch some of the TV stuff. But um, as far as stuff that you don't have, I mean, I want to watch Wonderful World of Color in HD. I want to watch high quality of the the rare hard to find stuff uh not stuff you can just go get on dvd so that's what i'm hoping we see none of the 50 plus movies of disney have ever been available at the same time in one format they've never all been on vhs they've never all been on blu-ray ray they've never all been on laserdisc now i'm wondering with the streaming if they will all be available at the same time or are they going to parse it out like netflix to keep you subscribed that's the that's what the thought is that but because no one knows well so there's a huge list of what's going to be available and it's gigantic they're releasing a ton of stuff but not everything's on there and people are speculating that not everything is going to stay and so they get you hooked, you know, you're going to get a ton of content right away, and then they'll add a few things, but things will start disappearing, and like, they're, people think they're going to cycle to keep you subscribed. How long are they going to have every episode of The Simpsons on there? Is that going to be just for the first month? And, by the way, people clamoring for the Star Wars content, they just announced that the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing is going to be six one-hour episodes with Ewan McGregor, but The Mandalorian is going to be they're only the first episode is going to be out mm-hmm. and week to week. then but they're waiting for the rest so it's just going to be one episode and then uh, I think they said when it's going to be, but it's not going to be anytime soon. Really? Yeah. It's not, I thought it's, it was one episode and then it, it's it like is two going, or three weeks it's, after that. It's going to be like that, but it's going to be – that's going to be week to week, but it's not going to be like – so like the people are getting it for the first month for free. Yeah. They won't be able to get the second episode uh, of The Mandalorian. I see. Interesting. That's how they get you. Interesting. But I, I'm excited. I signed up for the three-year deal a long so did time I. ago. I did the – I did – I'm a member of D23. Yeah. So I instantly, when it was, what was it, $6 a month or something? It was really inexpensive. $3.40? Yeah, because this is the non bundle version. So it was like $144 for three years. Yeah, it was a no brainer. So I'm really excited for that to hit and just go through. Uh, and, and again, I hope there's just some really weird, like, uh, you know, just stuff that you would never be able to find on DVD, but they've got it in their archives and they're putting it in to boost the content. That's what I'm excited but for. But also, if you are a member of Verizon, it is going to be free with your subscription. Just like Netflix is free with T-Mobile right now, you can do the same thing with your Verizon phone. Okay. Which is nice if you have Verizon already. <laughs> if you already have it, exactly. I don't know that the, I don't know how many people are going to get to switch because of that perk, but it's a nice perk. Uh, Lynn, do you watch the Netflix on your uh, T-Mobile all the time? No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, but okay, you're so, happy to. Ha- but you can't. But and you don't even watch it on your phone. You can right. watch. You can. Right. I'm very happy to have it, and I'm very happy. Uh, it exists. Yeah. You know. But uh, we go to a lot of movie screenings and theater, so I just don't watch Netflix for fun. I watch it for for work purposes. Okay. 
But I do, I look forward to January when I can sit down and watch some stuff I've missed that everybody that keeps talking about. That you want to about. watch rather yeah. than you need to watch? Yeah. I look forward to that. That'll be nice. Hmm. Well. Hopefully we'll have all the big movies done by then. <laughs> hopefully. And our buddy Max is in Hollywood right now seeing The Irishman. Yes. And I would be there, but life just throws you curves and. So thank you, Lynn, for for staying here here to be with us. All right. Really quickly. Next week. On the way out, what is your favorite Halloween-ish movie? Ernest Scared Stupid. (gasps) Really? Uh, That's an awesome one. That's awesome one. It's such a fun movie. I'm an Ernest fan, but the practical effects in that movie, it's actually like, it's very appropriate to show a kid, but it has enough scares and it's creepy enough to where they can actually feel like they're watching a horror slash scary movie, but it's got all the goofy antics of Jim Varney. So mm-hmm. it's a no brainer for me. Lynn? Um, scariest uh, movie I ever saw was The Exorcist and I'm sticking with it. I read the book the summer between uh, uh, senior year and uh, freshman in college, and that book haunted me. And so when the movie came out, my friends and I, we all went, and this was when it was at the Brentwood Cinema. Uh, and the Brentwood Cinema? Yeah. Where would the, is it at a bowling it alley was, now? It, <laughs> uh, it, well, I don't know what it is now, but it was across from a, uh, from a donut shop, and it was when like the lines were so long to get in, so they would sell in 1973? out. In nineteen seventy three, yeah, we oh, we. Do you remember when movies used to sell out and they couldn't yeah. just put them yeah. on a new screen? I right? know, oh and God. so we stood there and we were turned away <laughs> for the seven o'clock. So we had a had a to go get to in 10. line for the yeah for ten like or the eight ten or whatever, and then and then when we got out, there was a big long line for the. You know, min, I guess they were showing it at midnight, but the woman in front of us turned her head at the same time that Linda Blair was turning oh. her head, and we screamed <laughs> so big that we must have elevated ourselves because we were just like, none of us could go to sleep that night. We I were get so it. scared. So that is, and then the first time I saw Halloween, I just, that was one of those that was just like, what did I just see? That's a um, masterpiece. Let's see. I was probably too young to watch Jaws the first time I did. But that's not a Halloween movie. But it's still <laughs> scary as hell. Um, oh, my God. And I would have to say, and this is a product of the time, that Blair Witch, the original, was amazing. I tried to explain that to someone the other day. and kids today again feeling like an old fogey but with with all the uh youtube clips and all the viral stuff now and you can search for things and find out if they're mm-hmm. real or not it's just a different time it's but a product I, of the time but that movie back in 1999 was so scary because we all thought it was real mm-hmm. they it built was, it everybody up. yeah you did you thought it was found there was footage. a documentary on it, it was the first found footage movie wasn't it mm, i don't know if it was the, the first but, but it was the most well it done a, probably it was it's one of the most uh, successful independent films of all time. Yeah, because it was at Sundance, and so that was before and so was Star activity. Wars. Yeah, <laughs> that was at that was at Sundance, and the the buzz was the found footage. It was terrifying. That was another one of those that we went that Friday night and tried to find a theater where it wasn't it was sold the, out. I saw it at the Tivoli. It was sold out. I saw that in the theater, and it was horrifying because you just didn't know. And you didn't have – I mean, obviously, the internet existed, but you didn't have access. People weren't talking about things like they were. No one was, like, trying to figure out was it real, was it not. Like, you just saw the ads, and you saw the documentary, the whole half-hour thing they produced, Mm -hmm. and uh, their faux documentary, and they made it 
like it was real and these kids and that was 20 years ago uh, yeah different time it was the perfect time to where information wasn't as readily available and people believed these things that now we have daily hoaxes and daily Mm -hmm. false articles and deep fakes yeah i will i will say that the first time i saw alfred hitchcock's the birds that is one of the most terrifying movies ever because you just just how he built it up and the kids in the schoolyard and then uh, the guy at the gas station and everything. That is just a masterpiece watching that. You can watch it again and again and still be terrified. All right. As we leave okay. here at what the Fox we this weekend, Dear Evan Hansen, it won Best Musical the year it was out up against Come From Away, which I saw first. And I said there is no way that Dear Evan Hansen is better than Come From Away because I love Come From Away. It is great. It's true. It's uplifting. And then I saw Dear Evan Hansen and now I see how it won. And it didn't have me. The first, the end of the first act, I get. And I said, okay, this is good. The second act can't live up to it. And the second act doesn't live up to it until the mom's final song. Yeah, she won the Tony. She did. And so did... uh, that's that's the problem with uh, being a fan of the soundtrack. I and the guy who played Evan Hansen is really good, but I still see and hear Ben Platt on stage. That's going to be one of those roles that's like Robert Preston in The Music Man as Harold Hill. You are always going to identify Evan Hansen as Ben Platt. It's just or just, or Hamilton is or, yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, one of the things is, again, uh, I knew the music because Pasek and Paul are the darlings of They did theater. La La Land and they did Greatest uh, Showman. Great Showman. And they they now have, uh, they have everything towards the EGOT except the Emmy. Yeah. So therefore, they've they started to do something on TV. on TV. Yeah. So they've got to they've got to do that. But I'm a huge fan of, of their work, all their previous stuff. So it's like. I had not seen Dear Evan Hansen previously, and I hadn't listened to the soundtrack. So I went to it completely blind, blind and I, I thought it was phenomenal. It blew me away, especially that first act, because I didn't know what to expect, and so much happens. Uh, all the visuals, I thought the projection work uh, and the way it's staged, it is such an engaging show. It's fun. It's it's funny. Uh, it's heartfelt. It, it tackles some serious subject matter. And Now, there it does get a little blowback from the mental health community because they make a lot of assumptions and they leave a lot of things out. Right. But I think as far as realness, like Kevin's saying, I think I knew it was about this very troubled youth. You know, everybody feels alone. No, it's just about being a teenager. Well, being a teenager, like, uh, you know, being disconnected, feeling awkward. He is just one bundle of anxiety, this Evan Hansen. And he's got a lot of social anxiety. And then this world, we're supposedly connected through the internet, but people are more alone feeling and and that's what it is and so i thought it was very high school centered and i didn't know about yeah but the second x the adults come in yes like people my age thought it was maybe just like a millennial musical but it's not because you have the single mom and my friend next to me we heard sniffles like second act when the single mom sings that song everybody's just sniffling and then you also have the grieving parents and And also the troubled marriage there's a lot of relatable someone can relate to something 
whether it's being a parent or being a kid. Kids can also cling to it because I think that's why it's gained such a cult following is this is a show like Be More Chill to where millennials are seeing themselves in it. And, you know, who hasn't felt at some point that they are alone or that people don't see them or they're not important? I mean, that's a that's something that in in pop culture and media i mean look at it's a wonderful life you know Mm -hmm. back in the 40s like that's the premise of that and here we are doing something updated but it's still asking that same question because it is such a relevant topic uh, you know of feeling that way and so people can relate to it and it's it's so uplifting by the end of it everything that these characters go through um and so that you know you will be seen and and you aren't alone. you will be found yeah you'll be found yeah well, i think it's more complicated than people thought it's more complex don't you think but also it's simplified right as well it's funny that you said be more chill because my daughter 16 years old now she i said so what's the next show you want to see and she said be more chill was the next show she wanted to she see she won't but yeah, right, it was already at <laughs> it was already at New Line earlier. I mean, it's off Broadway now, unfortunately. But um, but uh, is it a little tour? I think that's probably there's a good chance that it will. I don't think it's eventually, yet, but I think it will, and they'll open it up to regional productions again and everything. But that's having seen Be More Chill first. You know, it's it's hard not to compare, even though Dear Evan Hansen came first. But I saw Be More Chill first, and I'm like, wow, these they touch on similar things because it's about adolescence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like both the shows a lot. I mean, they're both great shows. Um, but now, yeah, did, dear, did you see Come From Away? I didn't. I wish I had a chance to. I, I can't remember if I was out of town or I was it's sick. I think you were in Disney. It's Disney? more uplifting. There is an there is a mo- well, there's, me- there's a message of element. yes, but there's a there's a message of hope in both of these. Yeah. One is a one is a broader reaching message of hope. This is more a message of hope for a character. And I can see how both factions have their champions. And I, I like them both, but you can only have one winner of best, best musical. But they're, you know, but they're different. I think it's kind of like comparing different genres or movie or, or a movie versus a film. If you want to put it that way. I mean, for, for kids, you know, everything is the most important thing to kids. We're, right. we're parents. We understand all of us. Um, but when you're at that age, it's hard not to feel like the world is ending with every little thing. And so, you know, for people to feel alone and they have a bad day at school or, you know, they, they think these things are so big and there's so much in Evan Hansen that you can relate to, I think, uh, for any kid. It doesn't High matter. High school is hard. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough time. And so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, People, uh, the, just the message is so great that this kid, who is just your average kid, I mean, he's he's you know, it's a, he's a shy kid. He's trouble talking. Well, to he girls. has no friends. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. but there's people, you know, I mean, there I are th- people like that. Yeah, but yeah. even if even if you just don't feel like you're in the popular group, but then the thing is, I think too, even people in the popular group can feel alone at times. You know, I, I think there's a lot for people to relate to, no matter what faction they are. It's not just the nerdy kid. You know what I mean? Even mm-hmm. though that is the main character, I think that everyone shares these feelings and situations, whether it's with things going on with your parents. You know, a, a popular kid can have a single mom that he doesn't see, and you know. Yeah, there's a there's so much that's going on here in terms and the of the like, rich rich family has mm-hmm. a yeah troubled child yeah. and a perfect not a perfect child but right. 
yeah. in the jazz band. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see how the, you know, and then you bring in the substance abuse. Mm-hmm. That was an element. And then the dad that's uh, absent, um, emotionally distant. Uh, there's all sorts of things. The mom and, that tried the different the thing of the week the you know trying, yeah. trying just to board rich herself, lady yeah entertained and, and now oh, now I'm I can't remember exactly I don't want to misquote it but you yeah. know just trying a different thing I'm she vegan now Buddhist or I'm Buddhist yeah, yeah it's just trying the different thing every year her new thing and so yeah there's so much with the family dynamics and, and the kids and just high school in general so again it's really easy to see why kids like Be More Chill that I really enjoyed because I saw it first. I see this show and I'm like, wow, I see why this one took off because it's another one of those really relatable just about being a kid and how tough it can be. Plus, it's got a great soundtrack. And it's, it's really Pascal and Paul. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the songs like You Will Be Found and also... Sincerely uh, Me, uh, which my daughter was singing. And I was about to tell her to, you know, all right, come on. Other people trying to listen, but they were the people behind us were singing along too. So, oh. well, the, it's got its you like you said cult following. It's a hard ticket on Broadway. The lottery alone is seventy five dollars. There, I almost every sh- almost every show has about five hundred tickets left in St. Louis, and that's a four thousand seat house. So that's good. That is good, but it was a huge reception. People stood up right away, but the ovations were really the mom's really good. It's a the the cast. I, I think it's a very good cast overall. I mean, I the, got to meet Zoe today. Oh yeah, I oh. did. She's a tiny little thing. <laughs> She's going to be on uh, KMOX on Total Information Saturday. Oh, Total Information AM Saturday. She was very good. Yeah, everybody's good. It's a strong cast, and 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 they connect um, for right. a show about disconnect. And that Elena connect. girl, she did Muni shows. Yeah, she was in All Shook Up. Yes, she was, which I did not see. But you which, know. You didn't see it either. No, I did see All Shook Up. Oh, did you? Oh, you see them all. Yeah, I did see, but there's a story behind that, which I'll tell you offline. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, it's great. There's a lot of powerful songs. It's one of those that, again, I wasn't familiar with the recording, but uh, you think of like in The Greatest Showman, which is a movie I love, mm-hmm. Lynn knows that, uh, they have, you know, the This Is Me, and that's like the big powerful song. Mm-hmm. And Dear Evan Hansen, there's a lot of powerful songs. Mm-hmm. The, mean, one, the one, uh, Ben Platt, uh, go to your YouTube and look up Ben Platt on Stephen Colbert and listen because he sings the Forever Day song, and it'll just make you tear. Every time I hear Ben Platt sing a song from Evan Hansen, and I start crying. But uh, I brought a box of Kleenex with me the other day because mm. I knew it would be one of those. And then my friend next to me, I got got the Kleenex out, and she was like, give them to me too. And, but no, you heard sniffles that second act. That second act is um, emotionally powerful, yes. I think. The first one, you're still finding, you know, you think you know what's going on. But you don't. And, and then the second act goes way deeper. The, the first act is about the kids. The second act is about the kids impact on the parents right and then and then you know the kid like the daughter when she says you know it saved my parents you know that kind of thing so those were interesting but it's well written too it's just i don't know i think uh, it's not those lavish creaky musicals from the old days like the sparkly hello dolly or you know it's it's not this is very much new broadway it's a very fast moving show isn't it doesn't feel i mean the, the first act just flew by and the second act and it's long i mean yeah it, it just it felt 
there's not a lot of downtime. The songs are really good, so that keeps you engaged. And that's one of the things about Greatest Showman is that it's like all the songs are good and there's very minimal downtime in between and the stuff is really interesting and really good in between the songs. Uh, this show keeps moving and I, I just thoroughly entertained by the whole thing. Yeah, so we highly recommend it. Go see it. All right, Kevin, thank you for coming by today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for Kevin. having me. It was fun. Now, okay, we've got real spoilers and we've got Review STL. Where can we find you on social? So mainly on Twitter, you can follow me at Kevin R. Brackett, and you can follow Real Spoilers at Real Spoilers. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Carl the Intern. And Lynn, where are you? Well, you're also on Max on Movies. Oh, yeah. I'm also on at Max on Movies, but that's Max's personal one. So you can hear us every Saturday on KTRS. Well, I can be found on KTRS on Thursday nights with Jay Kanzler and Ray Hartman. And then I am in the timesnewspapers.com, which is West End Word, uh, Webster Kirkwood Times, and uh, South County Times. And my new feature is going to be on the film conference that's going to take place downtown St. Louis, November 2nd. They're bringing in uh, like national experts, and mm-hmm. it's for local filmmakers. They got about 66 tickets left, so go to inmotionconference.com if you want to get at one with the local filmmakers. Get at one. All right. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.